Hello, friends. Today is the return, the long-awaited return of a very close friend, mentor, and uh, somebody I've learned from in a multitude of ways, the great Paul Cech. Uh, We dive into really what subtle energy is all about. And the reason I brought this up in our conversation is because uh, there's been a few podcasts that I've listened to on Living 4D, which is Living 4D with Paul Cech, Paul Cech's podcast, which really have opened me up and allowed me to connect dots previously only seen kind of in plant medicine experiences, really. Uh, One of which was with Dr. Ibrahim Karim, uh, the founder of Biogeometry, and his daughter, Doria. And Paul had just come off of a fresh podcast he did with Doria. I'd already heard the one with uh, Doria and her father, Dr. Ibrahim. And that blew my mind. So we dive into subtle energy and uh, another one that he had recommended that I've since listened to. We're going to link to these in the show notes as well. So you guys will be able to really go down the rabbit hole. Uh, But Walt Thornhill, who is a pioneering, I think he wrote a book called The Electric Universe, along with David Talbot. Absolutely phenomenal podcast that just (laughs) made me rethink everything around physics and uh, the whole gamut of what is unseen but yet still real within our own universe. So lots of good stuff here. Uh, The podcast did actually go two hours and 30 minutes. And for whatever reason, uh, Spirit is not allowing us to release the rest of that. We had a a piss and tobacco break at the 50-minute mark, which is where this podcast ends. And the whole remaining part of that podcast did not get recorded. So uh, I'm going to make a trip out to visit Paul probably within the next couple of months. And I know we're going to dive just as deep, if not deeper into the remaining portions that need to get out to the world. But for now, uh, we've got at least a 50 minute chunk and some links to get you guys prepped for what we're going to continue to dive into in the near future. There are a number of ways you can support this podcast. First and foremost, click subscribe. That way you never miss an episode. Uh, Leave us a five-star rating with one or two ways the show has helped you out in life or just something you like about it. Maybe you don't get helped out from the show, but you just enjoy listening to it. That's cool too. And then of course, support our amazing sponsors. Uh, They really do make this show possible. Today, we are brought to you by PowerDot. PowerDot is absolutely incredible. It uh, can help with athletic performance, improving muscle recovery, supplement strength training, and effectively warm up the muscles to improve post-activation performance. It provides natural pain relief. It blocks pain signals and promotes the release of endorphins, and it helps with injury rehab by improving blood circulation and nutrients to improve recovery and activate muscles in a non-load-bearing environment to fight muscle atrophy. It's got smart recovery AI. It integrates with Strava and Apple Health, tracks your workouts, and provides customized recovery programs based on your activities. It's pretty cool. Nothing else is doing it like this. And it guides you through each program from start to finish. It has in-app education through the newsfeed, learning from professionals, and you get to explore content that will help you become a better athlete. There's a forum also, so the back and forth, also super important to connect with other PowerDot users and learn how they are getting the most out of their device. Athletes absolutely love PowerDot. It's used by world's top athletes in the UFC, Glory Kickboxing, Cycling, NFL, MLB, PGA, CrossFit, and much, much more. What they're offering for our listeners right now is called the Pro Bundle. It's their duo plus three extra sets of pads, and that's going to allow you to stimulate two areas at once and spend less time in your recovery. You're going to save $25 and an additional 20% with the code KKP. 
And of course, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you don't see results in the first 30 days, send it back for a full refund. I've been using this for a while. This is their latest and greatest, which I'm really excited to get down with. A lot of this stuff that works with electrical signal integrates the central nervous system. And uh, I think this just goes beyond anything that's available right now. So check these guys out. It's powerdot.com slash KKP. That's P-O-W-E-R-D-O-T dot com slash KKP. And you're going to get 20% off all these wonderful listeners here with code KKP at checkout. Nothing quite like it on the market. So be sure to check these guys out. We are also brought to you again by Sovereignty. Sovereignty was founded in Austin, Texas. They're blending ancient Eastern plant medicine with highly functional bioavailable cannabinoids. Biofeedback devices and surveys used to test their products with key results have been shown, and I've actually done this. So as I mentioned before with their product Purpose, which is a nootropic and stimulant, I actually improved HRV while I improved my metabolic rate, meaning I gained more energy mentally and physically. And at the same time, my HRV improved, which means I was in a better state of flow and more of a meditative, calm and alert feeling. Nothing else is like this. Equally to this amazing energy product, they have something for the nighttime and it's called Dream. It's meant for nighttime relaxation and rest. It's highly restorative and rejuvenating sleep with CBN. So cannabinol is a amazing cannabinoid found in different parts of cannabis plants. So again, plant medicine, and they've found CBN to be highly effective for restorative and rejuvenating sleep. They've tested on hundreds of people with aura rings and found 76% of people had improved sleep data in some capacity. So check these guys out. They are at HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y dot C-O forward slash Kyle. That is sovereignty.co slash Kyle. Of course, we'll link to the long URL in the show notes, but make sure you use that URL. That's the only way you're going to get your favorite money back guarantee. They believe consumers and audience members are fatigued with percentage off discounts. They've tried to put their money where their mouth is. So the favorite money back guarantee is going to be that if you don't like the product, not only will they return your money, but they will gladly purchase your favorite supplement of choice as well. This is super cool. So if you don't like it and you return it minus three packets and replace the product, you're going to get the supplement of your choice of equal or lesser value in addition to all your money back. And this is super important. You only get this if you use the offer. So sovereignty.co slash Kyle will get you that absolutely incredible, this product here, dream. We are also brought to you by Silent Mode. Silent Mode is a peak performance company aiming to help 100 million people reduce their resting heart rate by 5% enabling happier, healthier lives. They believe the combination of music, science, and technology can create a new genre of mental fitness training, which can be practiced at home, at work, or when traveling. They do it by providing access to guided mental fitness workouts delivered through a sensory deprivation device. Silent Mode records HRV and custom builds a workout program based on biometric feedback. Finding your balance requires a proactive approach. It doesn't happen on its own. We're here to power the go-getters who understand the importance of mental fitness, people who seek to optimize performance of the mind because healthy minds need workouts too. With the right tools and the right path ahead of you, finding balance is simpler than you might think. And this is really great. I mean, guys, I've been using this for about six months now. 
I need tools too. I need tools. And sometimes I don't want to just go through the memory bank of everything I've learned through different breathwork experts and things like that. Sometimes I just want something novel where I can be coached in real time and I don't have access to one of my friends who coaches this stuff. I just use the app. I use the Breathonics app and my power mask. And right through my ears, I hear beautiful music that is tuned to hone me in to a deeper meditative state. And I use a lot of their power down stuff because I'm really good at getting shit done. And I'm not so good at calming down when I need to be calm and collected. But uh, power mask with Breathonics is absolutely phenomenal. And these guys are doing a really good deal for y'all. 15% off the power mask and three months free of the Breathonics subscription. You can find that all at silentmode.com slash KKP. That's S-I-L-E-N-T-M-O-D-E.com slash KKP. And then use the promo code KKP at checkout specifically for my listeners. One more time, silentmode.com slash KKP with promo code KKP at checkout. You're going to get 15% off the power mask and three months free of your Breathonics subscription. Last but not least, we are brought to you by dryfarmwines.com and Dry Farm Wines makes the very best organic, single origin, biodynamically farmed wines on the planet. They're keto wines as well. There's only one gram of carbohydrate per bottle. You heard that right, bottle, not glass. And these guys go all over the world to source some of the best wines from single origin family farms that are doing it right. They're not adding anything nasty to this wine. That means there's no added sulfites, no added preservatives. They're not adding red dyes, which are in a lot of red wines, even organic red wines. It's just the pure good stuff the way nature intended. In addition to that, they limit their alcohol percentage to 12.5% by volume, which is great because if I want to drink, I want to drink a little bit more than a glass. And that's totally fine. I'm not going to suffer the consequences of that in the following days due to the fact that I'm only going to get the good stuff without any of the bad stuff. Try it for yourself. You can get an extra bottle for one penny if you subscribe to one of their subscriptions. You can get a box of six every two weeks, once a month, or every other month, and you're going to get hooked up with that subscription by going to dryfarmwines.com slash Kyle and signing up for a subscription of your favorites. You can mix reds with whites. If you like a bottle of wine, you can say, hey, I love this wine, and they'll send you extra in your next shipment. No better place to get the wine than dryfarmwines.com slash Kyle, and it is the only wine that I drink. Without further ado, my dude, Paul Check. All right. I, one of the reasons, or anytime I have the chance to be in your presence, <laughs> I will wipe my fucking schedule clear. Thank you. And here you are in Austin. Uh, I wanted, I have some questions for you today due to the mass of world events that we get to bear witness to right now. Yeah. But I also wanted to start with what's alive in you. And um, you recently had a podcast with Dr. Ibrahim Karim. Yes. Daughter. Uh, the first one we'll link to in the show notes, which is absolutely incredible on biogeometry. But with Doria, you, you, you mentioned, you know, three and a half plus hours yeah. of really dialing into her medicine wisdom. Yes. And um, uh, of course, that podcast isn't out yet. It's going to come out on a little bit of a delay. So you'll hear us first, mm -hmm. almost as a teaser trailer, but I'd love for you to unpack some of the conversation that you had with her. Well, we got into a lot. Um, what I did is I had put together a list of 19 questions to go over with Ibrahim, her father, the founder of Biogeometry, who is, for those that aren't familiar, he's an architect and a scientist of very, very high accord. He was the president of the Egyptian Architectural Society. Um, as you know from my podcast, he's done all sorts of research in medical circles and others on biogeometry and all showed it extremely favorable. 
but we didn't get through all the questions because Ibrahim is more of the spirit of dialogue like I like it to be. So we just agreed from the beginning, um, let's just see where it goes. Let's trust great spirit. So I went back and looked through the list and I thought, okay, we didn't really get too clear on that. We kind of glossed over that. And so I ended up putting together, I think, something like 20 questions for Doria. And I'd seen Doria with her dad on... Um, on Healing Matrix with Sue Mortar on Gaia TV. And I was very impressed with Doria. Like, she's very lucid and very clear. And she's easier to understand because she doesn't have that strong Egyptian accent that her dad does. But I thought, okay, well, let's let's rock and roll with Doria because she's not tied up writing a book right now. And I just love the woman. I mean, she's just the, she's just the wise woman incarnate, right? And so really what I did was I put a list of questions together that either refocused on specific areas of the first podcast so we could get more clarity and understanding so that people could not have to try to imagine or or gloss over because they don't understand. Um, To remember all the questions is a lot, but you know, the kinds of questions I was asking her is, could you define exactly what subtle energy is? And so subtle energy can have a bunch of definitions. It, subtle energy is energy that you uh, that is beyond your sensory system. So if it's not coming by way of sight, touch, smell, feel, hearing, Taste. your normal sensory apparatus, then it's, but it's there, it's subtle. Um, so when we're talking about intuition, we're talking about subtle energy. When we're talking about clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, um, uh, just intuitive knowing, those are all vehicles of subtle energy. And then subtle energies can also be energies that we don't normally have the technology to measure. So, um, you know, for example, we all, most of us have this concept of the astral realm. But how do you measure that scientifically? Because it's moving faster than the speed of light. So from a Western scientific materialistic perspective, it doesn't even exist in any talk of that. It's just <laughs> silliness, right? And then I say to those people, do you dream? Yes. <laughs> Is that silliness? Do you just completely think that's just coming from the biochemistry of your brain? If you do, you haven't studied dreams very much at all, actually. Um, so we really worked on discussing what is subtle energy. And we talked, for example, about, I referred to Arnold Mendel in, in one of his books. I can't remember the exact one. I've read probably five of his books. And his books are really good. You know who Arnold Mendel is? Is that the guy who invented the Bell helicopter? No, that's Arthur M. Young. Okay. Arnold Mendel is... Uh, apparently, he was Dr. Obama's personal psychologist. President Obama? Yeah. Okay. Um, what did I say? Dr. Obama. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> President Obama. Yeah. Um, uh, that's what I was told. I haven't objectively looked into that, but I wouldn't doubt it. Um, Arnold Mandel is trained as a union analyst. Um, he's probably getting close to 80 now, so he's been around for a while. Uh, he's got a deep background in um, quantum physics, mathematics. Uh, he's got extensive training in shamanism. He wrote the book, The Shaman's Body, which is really good. Mm. All of his books are great. 
but he's got a, a genius mind, and he in, uh, developed a whole system of his own called process psychology, which is a mix of Jungian psychology, sh- shamanism, and uh, other methods. And it's it's really quite beautiful. And so, um, in his one of his books, he talks about how the heart produces a wave, and he gives the analogy of a ship with a radar and how it sees way far forward by analyzing whatever interferes with the waves, right? Which is what radar does. So we were talking about how our heart, and, and the research from heart math shows that the heart knows what the brain doesn't know, but is about to know as much as seven seconds before the brain's even aware of it. So before you're consciously aware of it, and the way they do this is they take a computer and then they use a random generator and they have taken images of happy experiences, people kissing, hugging, birthday parties, you know, positive images, and they mix them with shocking stuff like car accidents and people getting shot and... And so what they do is then this random generator chooses which image will come up next. And they have people hooked up to comprehensive biofeedback analysis, including the heart, the brain, the sympathetic responses. And what HeartMath found is that the heart is already responding to the image before they even see it, as much as seven seconds before the brain even can register what it is. Wow. So the heart somehow is able to get past a random pattern generator to know what image is coming next and the physiology of the person is already reacting toward positive, i.e. it's a positive image, so integration, you know, uh, relaxation, parasympathetic versus sympathetic reactions for a negative image. So I was making the point and talking to Doria about that, how, you know, the subtle energies are really the greater truth of ourselves. Um, and, and, and I was making the point of an analogy. If you have a remote-controlled drone or a remote-controlled car or toy, like my kid has remote-controlled monster trucks and stuff, you don't see the signal coming out of the controller, but it's actually controlling the entire vehicle. And, you know, now we've got these military-grade drones which drop bombs and do everything else. So you got, you know couple of tons or 30 tons of metal up there and what's controlling it an invisible wave that controls the outcome of how that machine functions what it does who it takes pictures of who it kills so I was really trying to share the perspective that our thoughts feelings and emotions are all subtle energies but ultimately they're the ones controlling our physiology if you're in a mentally negative state, then your whole physiology mirrors that. If you're happy and you're smiling, then your biochemistry mirrors that. But those thoughts, feelings, emotions, and things like the sense of love or connection, they're not tangibly measurable from a classic Western perspective or scientific perspective. But we've created this whole illusion with this materialist paradigm that those things are insignificant, they don't exist, and if they do, they're all the results of biochemical reactions in the body, which, you know, as many great scientists say, matter cannot organize itself. You know, no rock pile ever turned itself into a watch or a car. There has to be a conscious organizing force, and how consciousness communicates is through subtle energy. 
and consciousness is subtle energy. So, um, you know, matter is often said uh, to be a condensation of consciousness. So you think of how dew forms. Well, if, which could get, we could get very into a long segue here, but if you think of whatever consciousness is, I would refer to that as the authentic God, not a God with judgments and values and religious God, but the combined intelligence of all that is, um, God has nothing to do but look into itself. If God is God, then there is no other, right? So uh, one of the best definitions for God is that for which there is no other, or that for which can meet its own needs. See, we can't meet our own needs. We have to eat things. We have to drink things. We have to interact with other people. But God is that which can meet its own needs, and the only way it can do it is to exist within itself because there's nothing behind God. So if we say that the sum total of the flow of energy and information is the sum total of consciousness at any given moment, then when it looks into itself, it looks into a potential. And to the degree that it looks into the potential with the desire to experience the potential, then consciousness flows down. So the act of looking would produce mind because now there's a subject-object relationship. And to the degree that God wants to experience that in the third dimension, which is where we're at, then the thought form will emotionalize itself, which would be stepping to the astral level, which then steps itself down into the biological level, if it's a biological reality, like a living being. And the biological level will include the etheric interface with the physical body. And that's what really, what William A. Tiller's model of the chakra system showed, is that there's almost a doubling, sometimes even multiple, of the speed of light at each chakra system. And so it shows you that these higher dimensions are moving at faster and faster superluminal speeds. And so what I'm pointing out is that whatever consciousness is can only inform itself, i.e. information means information, by putting its own awareness into one of its potentials. Now, if consciousness puts its awareness into two potentials, both of which are sentient, then you have a relationship that produces love. Mm. Because there now is an I and a thou. So if I'm looking at you and listening to you, then I am. you become the object of my awareness or devotion, and I'm talking, so I become the subject. Well, I'm your object, but what's listening to me right now is your subject. Well, the subject is also the higher self, it's also the witness, and it has to be God. Because you can't be conscious if God's not conscious, how would you do that? <laughs> right? Yeah. That means you're separate from God, which means you've lost the whole meaning of the term God to begin with. So what I'm really showing is if you look at how the chakra system works, at each level you have three chakras. Most people don't know that. You have a mental chakra, which is the highest vibration, which is linked to what's classically called the noosphere which is the sphere of mind or ideas, it steps down to an astral chakra, which then steps down into the etheric level, which then is transferred through in the uh, meridian and nadi system that goes to every single cell of our body. 
So you have step-down transformation when the universe talks to you, and you have step-up transformation. So if you're conveying a thought to me, you're actually conveying that energy through your chakra system. Your body language and facial expressions is the physical end of it. The biochemistry of it, which is what produces the etheric field, whenever you have biochemical interactions in the body, it produces an electromagnetic field, and the sum total of that is your etheric field. And that creates, shall we say, a standing wave that is the interface to the higher dimensional uh, reality of the astral realm, which is the intermediary realm between pure mind and the biological system. And so the astral realm is where we're doing our dreaming, for example, or daydreaming, or astral travel, or active imagination, or anything like that, uh, or remote viewing. Um, so what's happening, and, and William A. Tiller showed this, and uh, John Archibald Wheeler, the famous astro astronomer and quantum physicist, shown this. Many have shown this, but it basically shows, uh, Nassim Harriman shows this, we're in an instantaneous real-time feedback with the entire universe. So every thought, feeling, or emotion that you have is broadcast into your field, which is connected to the one field of the one mind, which we'd say is the mind of the universe or the mind of God. So you're like a neuron in the mind of God, and I'm like a neuron in the mind of God, and every sentient being is like a neuron in the mind of God, and all the experiences that we're having, the universe is having, just like when you eat food, you have billions of microvilli that sift through the uh, chyme that has come from your stomach, and each one looks for selective nutrients like key amino acids, key fats, and they and different sections of the small intestine are a lot allotted to. Uh, pulling different things out because there's different pH levels that free up different nutrients in the small intestine. But none of us really has a, a, a personal relationship with a microvilli, right? You know, there's, there, according to research, there's um, 40,000 microvilli per square millimeter. Damn. So that's what's called the brush border. So you're talking about micro hairs, but they're all intelligent. They know exactly what they're looking for. So the point I'm making is each human being is kind of like a microvilli, and even though we're having our own experience and acting out our own role and our own life path and living our own dreams and dealing with our own challenges, those are actually being fed into the collective. They're f being fed into the personal unconscious of the planet. They're being fed into the solar uh, unconscious, but y y calling it unconscious is just a, a, a classic way to say it, but really you can't differentiate the unconscious from the superconscious, because really, um, if God is anything geometrically, it's a sphere or a circle, because that's the symbol of wholeness. So, if you think of a circle, if you name the top half the circle the superconscious and the bottom half unconscious, those would just be labels, because the circle's whole. There isn't a top or a bottom. You can turn it in any direction, it's still the same, right? So, really, the unconscious is 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 the flow of information that is helping us breathe, function, informing us about all sorts of things, whether a storm is coming, the things that we can tap into as we grow spiritually. But really the way I look at the superconscious is that it's the um, quantum processor that can process 
all possibilities at the speed of now. So, for example, if you want to come up with a new way of, of doing something, such as desalinating water, um, you may actually be accessing your superconscious because you need to come up with something that's novel. The subconscious can be supporting you with information that already exists, but you also need the superconscious to help you come up with something novel. So uh, the point I'm driving at is that the subtle energies of us are really what's informing us. And when consciousness invests enough energy into any given focus, then it attracts matter to itself, starting at the sub-quantum level, be it quarks, muons, gluons, muons, leptons, etc., which then build up to atomic structures, which then build up to uh, molecules, which then build to cells, to organs and systems, to bodies. And so, really, like if you look at an atom, it's 99.99 to the sixth decimal point empty. So, there's a lot more subtle than there is gross in an atom, right? Mm. It's empty space, but it's full of information and energy. So we kind of went through these kinds of dialogues just to help put subtle energy into perspective because really it's, it's the guiding force. I mean, we, we can't see our thoughts. I mean, yes, you can watch a person on an electroencephalogram or things like that, but you're not seeing the thought. You're seeing the effect of the thought. Right. Right. You have to think the thought before your body can respond to it or you'd be in a state of total chaos all the time because if you're able to think thoughts of love and thoughts of hate at the same time your body would be at a paradox because it would need opposing chemical reactions and it would just basically put a person into sort of a catonic state like they were having a seizure there would be no way to move that energy in a given direction so uh, in a nutshell what i'm driving at is that the subtle realities are the grand uh, orchestrators of the material reality and when you consider for example that the known physical universe is really only about four percent of all the uh, energy that physicists can account for out there so what we perceive with our senses and with the reality we live in is such a tiny sliver of the universe and a great example of that is i was recently watching uh, nasim harriman's show on Gaia, which is very, very good. And um, they showed something mind-blowing that was really quite neat to see. For the first time, they've gotten telescopes that are so advanced technologically that they could program a telescope to the frequency of water and then have it look in the universe, and this was on a satellite, this scope, for that specific frequency and the images that came back showed water everywhere in the galaxy. Wow. It was mind-blowing. And the images, when they came back, the camera made all the water look blue. So what you saw was like a galaxy with blue everywhere, almost like you were looking at, if you put, um, you know, like a nightlight in a bowl or a candle in a bowl, and you floated like hundreds of them on top of a lake at night, how you'd see these little lights everywhere. So the stars were like lights, but the water was everywhere. And as it got closer to the hotter stars, you would see less and less water, but around it. So it looked like a candle burning in the, floating on an ocean of water. 
and these images showed that there's water everywhere in the universe, which and there's bacteria everywhere in the universe, which means life will grow anywhere in the universe. It can get a foothold, and life can be very diverse. So it, it, we we may only know life as what we know of as nature, but in yeah. other planets it could be something radically different, such as creatures that could live in sulfuric environments or extreme heat environments and and I know they're out there because you know I, I don't know how wild you want me to be on your show but <laughs> let's get fucking weird we've, we've been weird before yeah I mean one thing I was going to bring up to you is uh in, in, in speaking this just jogged my memory but speaking of the first time I read John Lilly's Center of the Cyclone yes and he yes. talked about doing 300 milligrams pharmaceutical LSD before entering the first homemade uh float tanks yes. and having these 12, 15-hour journeys where he was coming across beings first in the form that looked like human yep. and then formless. Yes. You know, and he asked, well, why don't you have your bodies anymore? And they said, well, we just showed up in the way you would understand us. Yes. But now that you've, you've uh, grown in awareness, you mm. can see us without form. Yes. But there are many forms and they took mm -hmm. them to gaseous planets like Jupiter yes. where they, there were beings made just of gas that were held together. And yes. as you bring up the science on the amount of space within an atom, yeah intelligence holds that together yes right so the i'm not a solid thing like that the idea no. of solid liquid gas is completely you look just pretty solid though. thank you brother great, great illusion <laughs> <laughs> but that is an illusion right yeah. so whatever's holding us together right now or the the couches that we're on there's still far more empty space in us than there is material it's, right so the, that's 99.9999 percent <laughs> yeah so it's not a stretch to think consciousness could hold gas in form or consciousness could hold liquid in form and you could have like in the movie the abyss mm -hmm. back from the early 80s where there's a liquid being that is sentient and yes, conscious right absolutely so, i mean that, that that sounds weird but as you understand physics the, the and, physics and the science of it yeah. all you're like well why wouldn't that be the fucking case yeah why, why wouldn't in the infinite realm of infinite possibility and infinite manifesta manifestation why wouldn't that show up right and and, right? and the paradox <laughs> is is that a lot of the information that validates these kinds of discussions that have been going on for as long as man has been writing things down are violently opposed by many scientists but they're being produced by highly qualified scientists so you know, once what you see is is that you know uh, dogma is very very powerful, and then belief systems are very limiting, and it takes open-minded scientists to practice real science. And a real scientist isn't trying to force their findings into a dogma. A real scientist is inviting having their belief system shattered, and that's the adventure of science. But we we really, you know, I remember listening to a program by a uh, quantum physicist or astrophysicist, I can't remember, years ago, but he explained that the entire field of science, of, of uh, cosmology, was being dangerously limited because universities would not fund any research project that did not support the biblical concept of the Big Bang because they did not want any science to challenge the cultural underpinnings of the Big Bang and the, and the you know, the the genesis story yeah so here it is like universities that are supposed to be the cutting edge creme de la creme helping us grow our knowledge are actually choking the tree of knowledge to death and so like i've studied research from people that had to go to places like grenada to get research grants and to use get telescope time for these projects because western universities and even universities all over the world 
who are backed largely by Christian money or money from their own sources, be it Jewish or Islamic or whatever, won't support anything that goes outside of their paradigm. So you, it takes someone like a William A. Tiller or a Dean Radin or any number of, of these, you know, very evolved scientists, someone like Itzhak Bentov, who's so far out of the box that he's totally open to facts, not dogma. And so it, it's amazing because if you actually start spending time studying the literature, and this is why I was telling you about my Electric Universe podcast that's out uh, with um, Walt Thornhill, because the Electric Universe destroys a lot of the mainstream science beliefs about gravity and about photons and black holes and dark matter and dark energy and proposes not only a, a model that is proving to be scientifically valid, but it's coherent with the observations of the cosmos in very, very many profound ways. And I've studied, you know, probably a few hundred hours of their videos and read their books. And so to interview him was very, very exciting. But point being is here's a group of scientists from around the world who are so disgusted with the fact that their own research goes against everything they're being told is factually true and as Walt Thornhill says, I had to unlearn almost everything I learned in my training as a scientist because the data coming back at me was so mind-bending that I couldn't even comprehend it from that framework. So when we start seeing how many amazing scientists there are with amazing ideas that correlate to what's really going on in the world, one of the things that I think is beautiful, and, and Dory and I talked about this, when you really understand that there's tons of evidence showing that the universe is a living, breathing, coherent, whole, conscious organism, and powered by love. In other words, it is attractive to itself. It doesn't reject itself. It, it holds itself together just like your body holds itself together. You get cut, it'll heal itself without you even knowing how it did it. So there's an example of love. It brings the two halves together to create a unity again. So when you come to realize that the universe is intelligent enough to be a universe, right? I mean, imagine what it takes to manage, uh, you know, Nassim Harriman says they used to think there was 200 billion galaxies in the entire known universe, but with all the advanced telescopes they have now and space probes, they've now realized current estimates are that there are two trillion galaxies approximately the size of the Milky Way in the known universe. Okay, so <laughs> we here we are on planet Earth, one planet in a planetary chain with one medium-sized star in a galaxy so large that moving at the speed of light, if you died now, 110 years from now, you still wouldn't have made it out of our galaxy. <laughs> and they now say there's 200 trillion galaxies, which means moving at the speed of light, you'd be having to move almost eternally <laughs> 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 to cross it at 186,000 miles a second. So when you sit back and say, okay, if we want to know how smart God is, as a metaphor, well, you'd have to say smart enough to keep 200 trillion, or excuse me, 2 trillion 
galax galaxies with billions of planets and and stars and living organisms and you know it's just like it's mind-boggling right yeah and when you realize it's all held together in a coherent whole it's as though it's an orchestra and in the past few years i've begun having experiences of hearing the sound of the universe which quite surprised me i started looking around waiting going wait a minute i didn't put that on my stereo and realizing it wasn't coming from the stereo and thinking what is that and then all of a sudden it dawned on me i'm hearing the sound of the universe and it would be it's hard to describe but it would be like um sometimes i would hear you know at the high end of a piano on the right side scale you get to mm -hmm. the high notes it would be like that, but it would sound more like little bells ringing. Mm. And all of a sudden, I would hear something that sounded like, in the background, like one of those great big Buddhist horns that are like seven feet long. And then little tickles and these sounds of like fairies dancing on a dance floor. And the dance floor would be these low notes. And just it's hard to describe because it's not something I can really do with my mouth. But and so every now and then I'll and it usually comes when I'm meditating or if I'm studying something like really deep that just throws me into a deep meditation, which is most of the things I read. Um, then all of a sudden I'll get to this place where I'm hearing the sound of the spheres of the universe, and it's pretty trippy. But uh, the point I'm making is one way of looking at the universe, which is a very valid way, and that's why it's called universe, one song, um, is that it's a musical being. And I really believe that's true. And when you study cymatics and you see how sound forms matter, uh, then you say, wow, that's what's going on. But then you say, okay, what's making the sound? Well, it's the consciousness of the universe just like our consciousness expresses itself through sound to each other, the universe forms itself. And interestingly, the Sufis were telling us that a long, long time ago. I've got a book called Universal Sufism, which is beautiful. And then there they describe the Sufi expression of how the universe comes into being. And they say that, you know, essentially God is singing, which is the functional equivalent of Om. But in Sufism, sound is a word that encapsulates all vibration, not just audible sound. So sound to the Sufis means gamma rays, x-rays, um, infrared, ultraviolet, everything from zero empty to zero full. So the entire spectrum of vibration in Sufism, uh, the Sufis, Sufi uh, explanation of how the universe is formed is called sound. Bentoff talked about that in Stock in the Wild Pendulum, mm -hmm. right? As the second it moves from particle to waveform, mm -hmm. all waves could be considered in the same sound spectrum. Yes. And of course, just as we can only view or understand 4% of the visible in the universe, yes. that sound spectrum goes well beyond what our ears are capable of hearing. Yes. Oh, miles and miles beyond. Yes. I mean, the analogy I give with people is if you want to prove this to yourself, just buy a dog whistle. You won't hear a damn thing, but the dog will come running every time because it's your, a dog's ears have a broader octave range than ours do. They can hear, I can't remember what ours is, 20,000 uh, hertz or something, some 20,000 cycles a second, but a dog's whistle is up above that. Uh, so the dog hears it, but we don't hear it. You know, bats hear all kinds of stuff we don't hear. I mean, all sorts of creatures are, you know, bees see millions of things, insects see things we don't see, and... 
when they look at a flower, they don't see anything like what we're seeing. They're seeing all sorts of ultraviolet and different color spectrums. And they, it looks psychedelic. You probably, <laughs> yeah. It, I've seen images. I don't know how they created them, but they're supposed to be, this is approximately what a bee would see looking at a flower. And really what it looks like is when you look at a city from a distance at night and you see all the different colors of lights in the city. So a flower looks like this bursting spectrum of light. And the frequencies of the light tell it how much pollen there is and so on and so forth. But I think what I'm driving at collectively here is that subtle energy is really the guiding force behind the information. Because what is information? It's matter. I mean, it's uh, energy put into a pattern that can be comprehended as something that has meaning. So... We look out and we say, oh, there's a bunch of trees out there. Well, that's information. But what's it made of? Energy. Energy in a formation. So what kind of energy? Well, it's gross here. But when you say, okay, what is that tree? Well, it's a bunch of atoms. What are the atoms? Well, they're actually a, a force field that cannot be pinned down to a location that looks more like a cloud on a scanning electron microscope than it does look like an object. Because um, the old model of the atom as a sort of a solar system model has been proven to be wrong because you can't actually locate a part of that. What you see is a, a what really has been identified now as a vortex, which according to Nassim Harriman's work and others, in the center of every atom is a black hole. And so Harriman's work showed that everything from the atom all the way up is basically scalable and that there's black holes at, at many, many scales. And, and, and one theory is that the center of the earth is a black hole and mm. that the sun is a black hole. Is that what is creating the torus field within these? Yes. Yes. The, there's a great book that I really, I think you'd find fascinating. It's called Punk Science Inside the Mind of God by Dr. Manjir Samantha Lawton. She's a medical doctor who had an enlightenment experience doing yoga and uh, kind of found what they were teaching her in medical school was just too limiting for her. And she began a years, many years long intensive study of cosmology and all the related sciences and black hole science. But she put together what she calls the black hole principle. So she takes all the research on black holes, sifts it through, gets the most current coherent data and she basically shows that the black hole principle says that the center of every black hole is an infinite light, which seers and sages and people like Walter Russell have been saying forever, God is not the visible light. God is the translucent light out of which the visible light emerges and out of which darkness emerges to create the polarity that drives creation itself. But behind that veil is a translucent light that is a great analogy is you take a prism which you can see through like glass but you shine a light into it and you get a rainbow of colors out of it so in the analogy the infinite light at the center of every black hole is the pure potential out of which mind itself draws its potential to create from and it carries the potentials of mind because in the infinite there is absolutely no thing yet absolutely everything which is the two qualities that I attribute to zero in my model because it's empty of anything yet full of everything so what what that model is showing is that the infinite light is expressing itself at every level of creation 
because it is the source of all creation, but paradoxically, it's in it without being trapped in it. It's, 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 you have to be able to handle a paradox that's in it without being in it. Mm. Um, the simple way to understand that, because it's a hard one to wrap your head around, how could something be in something but not in it? Well, if you take a sine wave, you have to have a flat line to begin with, Right before you can draw a sine wave, you have to have a reference point or a zero point. When someone dies, we say they flatline because they have no more heartbeat, which shows up as a wave function. Right. Well, every time the sine wave crosses the reference line, it's at a zero point. Right at this line, it's at a zero point, and then it goes negative and it returns to the zero point. So, if you were at the zero point, there would be nothing there. But paradoxically, if you're in the positive cycle or the negative cycle, you'd be having some kind of an experience that requires the opposite polarity because you can't have a negative without a positive. So the point I'm making is everything in creation is some kind of wave form or hertz function, vibration. But what it's all emerging out of is like this invisible well of the infinite light of God, which is at the center of every black hole all the way from the smallest subatomic particles right up to uh, you know the universe itself or or how, however big we can conceive in other words the whole universe might be actually the product of a massive black hole that's one theory but how does god be in it without being in it well um if you're the point of origin or pure potential, then you are the source of all things waving. Yet, as yourself, you're still zero. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Because everything produced from zero has to reconcile itself back to zero. Stephen Hawking described this in one of his lectures. He said, uh, okay, pretend you're standing on the ground and you've got a shovel. We'll call the ground zero. You dig a three-foot hole. We'll call that a negative. What's right next to you? A three-foot pile. And that three-foot pile eventually wants to fill the hole. Nature will eventually fill the hole. Okay, so the thing, the thing he's saying is you had to choose to dig the hole to make the negative, but in making the negative, you made a positive, a pile. And... All of those ultimately are borrowed from zero because zero is not the positive or the negative. And Walter Russell gives this training all throughout his one-year study course. He, you know, all of the things we create, he says, are borrowed from God as, as the source. So this is why empires collapse. This is why galaxies change because ultimately the truth of everything is zero. So whatever you build up and put into time has to ultimately return to its source because it's borrowed energy. It's mm. borrowed vibration. It's, it's on loan from God. But Just like it, our bodies. Yes, but because the nature of God is zero, everything returns back to zero, and I tell people that's why you got to sleep at night, because you can't stay in the show too long before you completely and utterly burn yourself out, because your brain is God to your body, and as long as your brain is thinking, your body can never rest. So we actually have to have deep, dreamless sleep where we become one with God and let go of the whole show 
at which time our body is free of our mind and the subconscious can do its work to heal, balance, and restore us without the negative influences of mind. And so people with PTSD and sleep disorders have a very hard time because their mind is active to the point it burns their bodies out so they start having health problems. But the, the sort of the trick of it is, is that what we call God is actually the, the Godhead, the fountainhead. But something even more magical is, is I tell my students, okay, I have a question for you. If your mother is a zero, are you a one or a virtual one? And they usually have to meditate on that for a few minutes. So if your mother is the mathematical equivalent of a zero, does that make Kyle one or a virtual one? Well, t from a mathematical standpoint, you couldn't create one from zero. But from the way of God, a zero, that is how... The unmanifest becomes manifest. That's how things move from the Tao into the world of 10,000 things. Right, but the point is the 10,000 things are products that create the illusion of separation. Mm. But in actual fact, they're expressions of zero. Therefore, if by definition your mother is a zero, then you can only be a virtual one. Mm. But because it's virtual, you can't tell the difference between that and anything else. That's what makes something virtually real. You, you understand? Yeah. Is like, this speaking to, to, to the concept of Maya? It's exactly okay. what it is. Okay. And that's why the Hindu sages said, the universe, everything you're seeing is Maya, so don't get trapped in it. Mm. Because it's all God dreaming. And we go back now to what I started with. When God looks into itself, God's dreaming. I wonder what it's like to be Kyle. I, I'm going to make up this handsome big dude, <laughs> make him super sexy and strong and open-minded. And let's make his life real interesting. We'll make it, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make his use of plant medicines. Well, we'll do lots of things that will really get the parts of me that are trapped in belief systems all wound up and... We've got to make sure he has some friends that he can, you know, share his real life with. Fuck so yeah, brother. <laughs> I have to create another bald guy that's, you know, a little shorter and a little different and a little weird in his own ways so that these two weird guys can get together and, and love each other and see God in each other. And, and so, you know, the reality of it is, is we're all being dreamed into existence. But as I say to my students, look, if I put you inside of a movie projector and projected you onto a screen, could you tell the difference between being in the movie and being someone sitting there watching the movie? Well, it depends if my consciousness is watching me in the movie or if it's also Well, what I'm saying is if you were put into the projector and project it onto the screen, then you would be having the experience of being in the movie, acting the movie out. So you mm. might just think you were living your life and someone was pointing a camera at you because that's how they film movies, right? Yeah. So I'm saying if you're Paul Newman and you're in the movie, 
but you don't realize that you're in the movie because you're in the movie, would that be any different than Paul Newman sitting in the theater watching the movie, but now realizing he's watching the movie? Hmm. His sense of Paul Newman in the theater would be no different than his sense of Paul Newman as the actor in the movie. They would both feel completely real to him, wouldn't they? Yeah. So God's dreaming the movie into existence, and it turns out that matter is the screen that the movie is reflecting the light on. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what does Fritz Albert Pop's research show? That our body is emitting photons constantly, and the cells are talking to each other through photon exchange at the speed of light. And they've proven this, for example, looking at um, elite pianists, because they've studied how fast a pianist's hands move playing some of these exotic classical songs. And physiologically, it's impossible for the message to get to the brain, to the hands, and play the notes they're playing at the speed that they're doing it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Your neurons cannot transfer information fast enough for a piano, pianist to move their fingers that quick. So what they found is that the communication is through light, that the brain and the body are acting communicating the message of the music from the pianist's mind is coming through his body at the speed of light and his hands are actually moving beyond the physical domain and nervous system control but it's actually light conveying the information and the body's responding and then if you look at robert o becker and uh james oshman they talk about the perineural system and the fascial system and how it actually can conduct different frequencies and even conduct light frequencies and and you got piezoelectric current so there's like a whole different sort of nervous system if you will in the wrappings of the nerves and in the fascia itself so, and what is it soaked in water which has an infinite capacity to carry information and vibration can move very quickly through water uh, for example sound can move very quickly through water so we have this overlay of all these systems that are communicating and talking but we're only now coming to understand things like how can a pianist play notes faster than a nervous system can move it's light what am i saying what is a movie light you watch a good movie you get immersed in it you have emotions feelings reactions you hate the bad guy you love the good guy whatever and all it is is light dancing on a screen. And then you go back to Plato's cave and people were watching the shadows on the wall and they came to believe that was actually the reality that they were in. And when someone tried to show them different, they had a hard time believing it, right? <laughs> yeah. So the point is, Kyle can't tell if he is actually watching the movie or in the movie. And you talk to people like Greg Braden and some of these people that are really ad advanced in game theory and computer science, and, and there's very good mathematical support for the fact that this whole thing can be a simulation and that there could be a massive computer somewhere generating this whole thing. And that one of the theories is, is that we've actually evolved way past this, but we're sending these messages back through time to this point in time to awaken ourselves that we have to be careful not to make the mistakes that's going to end our life or we won't get to be the people we are in the future. So mm. it actually could be us reaching into the what would be their past, which is our present, to inform us, hey, you, you need to pay attention to these things 
because to get here, you we have to do that. I and we would be the same thing. So Kyle have you, and have the you seen the movie Interstellar? No, Matthew McConaughey. Mm-mm. You would love it. They actually they they dive right into exactly what you're talking about right now. Yeah, he, he uh, enters a space in the future that looks an awful lot like. Uh, physical representation of the Akashic Records. Yes. And he ends up pushing a book through that goes back in time so her da- his daughter will see it and treat it as a ghost, but it's, it's, it's her dad in the future. Coming to give yeah. her a message. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, man, that just gave me goosebumps thinking about that. All right, take a leak. Yes. Yes.